All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. in my office and I heard a rock. Describe the rocket, sir. Does this mean we're not friends anymore? Not me. I'm in my DJ Nubis. And DJ Neko. She's back. So, back for another episode, episode 66 of the Metal Tavern Radio podcast coming your way. Lots of great music coming your way as well. Uh, what we got? Some new stuff from Metal Disease. Uh, what we got in here? Putrid Pile, Instigate. Uh, we've got an interesting pick for Neko's pick of the week in a rock block. <laughs> we have a funny story to go along with that, too. Yeah, it's... it's... Uh, <laughs> oh, new Astolat, uh Fucking brand new record from them over... It's been a while. Fucking great record. Um, awesome. So when I talk with Crit from Metal Mania about our halfway point best of, that's got to be thrown in there. Oh, nice. Uh, new Convocation. Uh, much, much more. Um... Yeah, so I want we're not we aren't a political show, so we're not going to waste a lot of time on yeah, this. Yeah, especially because we uh, we like people. We yeah, we like people, and we kind we kind of like and hate people at the same time. Well, I mean, we have like a uh, I don't want to say like a very middle ground, but we we know lots of different types of people. Like, yeah, well, I've talked about that today. Where like I have friends that are conservative, friends that are liberal, friends that are libertarian friends that are religion you know christian uh satanist whatever it's all over the board so we we really our stance just as people is we just just like what they said in our intro song we just don't want people to be dicks yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't be a fucking dick that's all that's our that's our mantra like we don't we don't really feel like we need religion or a politician or anybody to tell you that what you need to do to be a good person. And sometimes I know, like, it, it really doesn't come from within. Some people just aren't good people. Right. But, but we truly believe that the people we know are good people. Oftentimes people try to make it, like, all this or all that, and it's not that. Mm -hmm. And I hate that. I just despise that with a fucking passion. 
It's so myopic, it's narrow-minded and ignorant for me, for anyone to do that. So, you know, yeah, we're dicks, but we're equal opportunity dicks. You know, we'll give it to everybody and give everyone the business. Um, so right now, of course, after the George Floyd uh, murder, basically, it was what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's been charged now with he, murder. And any of the cops got mm-hmm. arrested, too, so... It, yeah. It's not just manslaughter now. They've raised the charge to murder, which, yeah. you know, there's how many different videos, surveillance, and his body cam. Everything shows exactly what happened was not protocol. Now, so, with all that said, you know, justice thing is taken care of. So whether or not they get convicted is something else, but I can't really see it not being an open-shut case. But Especially since he's had several... Right. You know, char- not charges, but on his record where he's had incidents, incidents of people dying in his care. Yeah. Uh, but then what we have now is, you know, you have these people peacefully protesting and, you know, giving their voice to what's going on with all this racial injustice and whatnot. But then we have all the other lovelies out there that are just destroying and tearing up and killing people and... That, that, you know, this is the thing is, when I point that shit out, I'm not dismissing George Floyd at all. I'm just telling you that if you're going to be a mouthpiece or an activist for humanity and, you know, treating people well and fairly and equally, you can't step up for one person and then ignore everything else that's going on. I think, too, what um, people are always saying, if you think destroying things is worse than somebody killing a person that's not what we're saying we're saying these if you're going to be rioting it's kind of dangerous too when people are getting hurt it's not just destroying things it's people are actually getting hurt yeah in these protests because they're not peaceful um now to that and point that's, that's all the way around that's not just we're not yeah we're not even talking about buildings we're talking <laughs> about people are getting hurt people are getting hit with things people are either they are police uh, doing tear gas or people throwing things and inadvertently getting hit people are just getting hurt all around and that's why we're like it's just being counterproductive when you start getting violent because it's get you end up getting violent on both sides on the side of the police because like, it just all escalates yeah so what i do want to like if i wave my dick at somebody they're just going to wave their dick and whether or not it's bigger or not doesn't matter you're just going to do it anyway mm-hmm. But I, I do want to give some props to Maryland because we are usually the worst. The worst. <laughs> Baltimore is usually on fire. Now, what happened, you got, this is the fucking media. They were showing pictures of Philadelphia and video of Philadelphia saying it was in Baltimore. Not Baltimore. We you have, have to watch what the media sells to you because that's and, a big problem. And they're going to show you some boarded up buildings in baltimore those are precautionary boarding ups they are not because everything's been looted it's because the stores are closed right now because of covid and it's just precautionary so that people aren't if it does get out of hand which it hasn't or even if they're not there the entire even without all the other stuff going on if you're not going to be working for a while, you need to make sure that there's safety uh, things put in mm-hmm. place. The governor himself yesterday came on and said, we learned from the riots that we dealt with in 2015. We know, how, you know, we have, the National Guard is already deployed to help us with COVID. 
we know how like we've learned we learned our lesson we know and the people here have been peacefully protesting it's a pain in the ass like i i read that up in bel-air they shut down like a bunch of streets because they're they're but they're just marching they're not in the way of of anything they're not rioting they're not throwing bricks through windows it's just a bunch of people with signs and then but then to to governor hogan's point he said but please Try to be socially distant, <laughs> wear your mask when you're protesting, but I, I actually, I can't believe how strong, I guess is the way to put it, that Baltimore has come out of this because we're seeing other cities that are, they're just... Falling and, apart? Yeah. Oh, I don't know if you, you read this or, you know, there's always like the conspiracy theorists. So people are saying, and this has kind of happened in a couple of incidents uh, in the past, People are saying that the protesters are being bussed in, like the the, the I've, heard, I've heard that before. And then they're saying they're hired. To they're go being and hired, and then they're showing like pallets of bricks, just kind of being placed in random areas so that they're available for people just to pick up. Now I don't know who is placing those bricks. I don't know if there is like a riot group that gets together and travels to different cities. Well, Antififa is very uh, instrumental in a lot of the violence that happens. Uh, I mean, we saw it with J.R. Reed, the NBA guy, uh-huh. how he was defending his truck when some white boy uh, Antifita kid tried to like start busting up his shit. He kicked his ass and told him to get the fuck out of here. And that's that, that I appreciate a lot because that's a black man saying don't fuck with my shit. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to help out the black cause, that's not the way to do it, and you're not doing it to my shit. So I get that 100%. Uh, now, there's a couple other points I want to get to. While Neko and I might not be the pillars of activism or all this other stuff that goes on, uh, individuals like Emma Watson or Drew Brees are actually pretty high on that list. Now, I haven't really followed Emma all that much anymore, but recently she waited a few days before even speaking on the racial stuff. And then when she finally did, uh, she put, like, I guess there was a thing called Blackout Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And so she put this black box on her Twitter feed, I think, or Instagram. And then I guess she had, like, some smaller white boxes around it uh, signifying unity, in her words. Um, but she got took a lot of criticism for that because people said, well, why is there white people around the black box? Or white boxes around the black box? Well, what does that even matter? I think it was just, like, on Twitter it has a white uh frame right and you know the thing with that is emma's a diehard ally to activism feminists and you know just racial inequality altogether so and usually when i've learned through following her and others in that area that you know as white people we're supposed to kind of like step aside when this shit happens and let the black voice be heard but it's also important. So she does that, and people were complaining she wasn't speaking up and using her platform. I'm like, well, what do you want her to do? It's because a, if it's she like says something, it is. It is. Because if you, I honestly, I don't want to be like, oh, you know, I support black people. I know black people. I work with black people. I have I have black friends. I black people are great. Oh, you just use the black yeah, friends. Oh, yeah. You can't oh, use you that. Can't, you can't, you say, can't that, say that. I, for me, I think I um because of growing up in Baltimore and growing up where I've grown up, you see how many different races are just in our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So I, as a person, have always just kind of been like, whatever. 
you're black, I'm white, you're, you're uh, Indian, you're, uh, we have a lot of Muslim people too. There's actually a Muslim school that uh, comes and picks up a group of high school students. And so there's lots of different people that I've, I've I'm just kind of always been like, you're whatever. I don't judge anybody for anything. And my biggest thing is there's always going to be a cause that's dear to your heart, dear to your heart, dear to my heart, dear to anyone. Don't fuck with animals. Yeah, yeah don't <laughs> fuck with animals. But I, for me, because... Did you hear the story? What story? Some looters, like, looted, like, a local pet shelter, pulled out a puppy and strangled to death, hung it. <laughs> that was their way of protesting. See, that is ridiculous. Like, for me... I, if I wanted, let's say I want to protest with this cause, I, for me, I just would go and hang out and have a sign, and you're even seeing police officers who are, like, kneeling, kneeling. they're yeah. like, not, you know, you want the police, police are important. The, in, the, the bottom line with all this is yeah. we want unity, we don't want to create... You don't keep want creating this anger and no this, divide right you know you need police to and help. trust me when i say this the media and the government wants us to hate each other they do don't kid yourself biden the democrats trump the republicans they love this shit because it's how they get reelected and elected into offices they divide americans by using this kind of bullshit and pushing certain propagandas and all sad. that yeah it's very sad i mean back to what we were saying about the police you're always going to need a police force because there you know there's always going to be assholes there's going to be murders there's going well, to be well any rapes. kind of law you're just going to have anarchy it's so these police officers a good majority of them are good people not the, this is the small <laughs> asshole percentage that we're dealing with and we and to see police officers trying to be in unity with the protesters, that's important. Well, there's no doubt that law enforcement needs some, some sort of reform, uh, better training. But, you know, part of that is maybe instead of, I hate to say it, instead of spending millions on celebrities and movie stars and athletes, maybe we ought to be putting more money back into education and, and law enforcement and, and that kind of stuff to get better people in those positions because... Right now, if you're a regular officer of the law, you don't get paid dick. You probably get paid less than a school teacher. You do, and and that's why a lot of people, um, you know, my cousin, she was, she was a police officer for years in the city, and she really enjoyed her job. But, you know, it's not something that they. It's unfortunate, but it's very hard to be a career police officer when their benefits are constantly getting cut or their overtime is getting cut and you say to yourself i i put 12 years into the force and what do i have to show for it a lot of them leave the city and go to more prestigious counties where they pay more money and that's that's just the sad part like you want to have the best police force and and with the most integrity but you're not going you're going to treat them like they're I mean, I think the starting salary is probably like something you would make driving a forklift at the Walmart warehouse. It's and you know these people are putting their lives on the line, and they're they're. Anyway, we anyway we're 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 rambling again, but people are gonna eventually just believe what they want to believe, and they got their some some of them have their heels dug, and I have a lot of people I talk with on Facebook that are actually pretty open minded about everything. Thank God. Uh, 
But just to kind of like go back to the music here, we opened up with Bomb Scare doing Word Dicks, a fourth entry cover provided by Vlad and Arm the Pit. Much thanks to that. That whole like EP thing they have going, Bomb Scare is very good. So I was going to play like a regular track of their own stuff, but I thought the cover was so good that I decided to open up the show with that. And our first batch of music is actually a bunch of thrash that it kind of has my feelings in all situations. We're very threatened with this, is, yeah. So we got some Hatchet doing where Future Regresses, that's going to kick it off. I got some Cruel Bomb that I discovered through Crypt and Metal of Mania, so I'm very happy with that record. Uh, we really like the, the, the Cruel Bomb. I got my they Cruel Bomb like shirt. I, I took my Cruel Bomb shirt with me when I went on my last uh, adventure on the ship and everybody's like what is what is ne what is nepa thrash what is that i was like it's my band cruel bomb i like these guys so and then uh we got some metal disease also doing deadly attack so to the music we go here is hatchet
to the hordes of chaos only on Metal Tab Radio. Pump it. Alright, we're back. Neko and DJ Nubis here to entertain you. Let us entertain you. <laughs> so... Am, am I allowed to? Okay. So, am I allowed? Yeah, okay. yeah, we're way beyond the 50s here, okay? <laughs> am I allowed? I will begin. So, Anubis has always been a really big rat fan. Yes. Always he. I mean, and I really didn't listen to them. I didn't know much about them until I met him. Now, I met him in 2002. Like, this month is actually the 18-year anniversary of our first date. So I, this is back in 2002, I really had no idea who Rat were because I never was listening to it back in the 80s. But I quickly learned because Anubis was playing it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and I like them. I forced them. it on her. You're going to like them. You're going to like them. I like them, so you will like them. Hmm. And I enjoy them. They're, they're totally what they are. They're a nice 80s, like, heavy rock band. They're not, like, I think they're great. But it's kind of funny, when I went to the Hard Rock Cafe in Hong Kong, we sat at the rat table. They had, um, what's-his-face's uh, guitar. Right, Warren D. Martini. Yeah, right there. And uh, so rat's pretty awesome. And now we have this new Geico commercial where we have a rat problem. Yeah, Geico's gotten pretty creative with their commercials. And, you know, it's it's so funny because it says, yeah, we got a rat problem. And, of course, I didn't really expect it right away, but then when rats started playing... Up in her attic, I was like laughing my ass off, and she wasn't around for the initial. Didn't you? You you sent me a link. Well, yeah, I I said, "Oh my god!" And you're like, "What? What?" I was like, "I gotta find this (laughs) and show it to you because you just you have to see it to believe it." It was great, and it's it's clever, it's cheeky, it's funny. So now, I mean, this has been playing for a few months. Mm -hmm. Rat is now back. On the Billboard digital song charts top in the 20. top 20 since 1984, the last time that this was... The Round and Round was a song, yeah. So now, 
it's a resurgence. It's kind of like what happens with, um, like when they did the Biggie Smalls movie and then Mm -hmm. all of his albums went back on the charts. This happens a lot, but because they're also, Geico is also great with the, uh, with the, um, placement. It's not just on TV. It's on your digital, uh, what yeah, do you call we, it? I caught on like the like Pluto Roku or something. Yeah. yeah. So while you're watching whatever and you hit it's the Tubi or the Roku, here chat. it comes. Here comes an ad, and you love those free apps because you you know you do have to sit through these ads. But everybody is sitting through these ads now, and everybody is getting the we have a rat problem, and it's hysterical. It's clever, and we love rat. Yeah. And now apparently they're in the top twenty again, and America loves rat. Yeah, it's it's really kind of interesting because not just because they were used for a commercial, which you know is a nice little nod to them, but then for their particular song to actually re-enter the Billboard is like amazing. Like that's really I've had people after posting this on Facebook like really kind of shocked and yet happy at the same time how awesome it is that they actually cracked the top twenty with their song. So uh, that's a lot of fun for me. And and I feel I feel like Rhett are having fun with it too mm-hmm. like clearly they wouldn't do a commercial <laughs> unless they wanted but it's i think it's coming back and they're like wow we're 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 pretty relevant like maybe they thought that they were being forgotten but they're they're not well, a lot of those bands are, you know because we don't realize it as time goes on when like when nirvana and the grunge scene hits like some of these bands are still putting out records docking uh, crew, but it wasn't hitting everybody like it used to. But the rat, uh, the band did have a lot of fun with it. They made a comment saying on Facebook, you know, what comes around goes around, which is part of the <laughs> What comes around and it says, goes Rat around. is back for more on the Billboard Rock Digital. So that was another song they had back more off the I'm same really, record. I'm really impressed. I am really happy for Rat. Like, I mean, I clearly, I personally don't know them, but you love it when you see... You see people who, again, who were kind of in the shadows, and now, like, they're back in the forefront, and you're like, good for them. Good. Yeah, now if they could just work their shit out and get a new record out, I'd be happy. Before they all die. <laughs> work out, yeah, work out your inner band issues. I mean, it's hard to believe the infestations are already, like, I think it was, like, 2010, so it's already been 10 years since that record. And that was a really good record. That was a return to their old roots, so I really enjoyed that record a lot. Um, so... With that in mind, uh, when it talked about like old school rock or metal coming back into the forefront, uh, Neko and I had a chance to check out the movie Rocket Man. We had already seen Bohemian Rhapsody a few months back. Mm-hmm. So Rocket Man was available on Prime, in case you have that. Um, and I know we're a little late to the to the game or whatever. Yeah, I but... think that was one that we thought about going to see. I remember it came out the same time that uh, King of the Monsters did. And I, I think part of it was we wanted to watch it together because I, I had even told you it was on the plane for one of the trips I went on, but we wanted to watch it together, so right. I didn't watch it. And now it was kind of like, oh, this is just the perfect time. It's on Prime. Let's watch it. Uh, I have been a huge Elton John fan since I could probably talk. My mom also, so I think that helps being around her. She's seen him in concert many times. She even went to the Elton John Billy Joel concert. Um, she told me in the 70s he was 
uh, a crazy man. He'd get, and I mean, you see that in the movie because he's really into cocaine. And <laughs> he would get on stage with his big extravagant shoes and sunglasses and he'll be going to town on the piano and she said he picked up his piano bench one time and threw it into the audience like well the funny thing and we talked a little bit about it when we were watching it that i had seen the movie tommy when it came out i was young i think my baby should the, probably dragged me to it and we just uh, we watched tommy after rocket man right too. and so that scene always stuck with me now at the time i didn't really know who elton john really was i was very young uh, my first uh, exposure to him was uh, I'm Still Standing, which hit MTV in the early 80s. So that was basically his comeback uh, moment, really. Which actually, when you watch this movie, it tells a bigger story than what that song actually was and what it represented. So um, I think I knew at the time that I had seen that video, I knew that John was very flamboyant just because of the way the video was put together. But... Uh, I didn't really know if he was gay or not until much later, but... But we also remember, in the UK, being gay was... You could go to jail. Right. You could really get in trouble. And I think it was up until the 2000s still, that before they changed that law, where... So even though you kind of were gay and you were out, it was really not good to be like, I'm gay, because... Well, they actually addressed that with, you know his agent who was involved with him like was saying look you are who you are but when it comes to the public hi you can't let them know about this now obviously the agent in question had a lot more devious intense long run but it's not really uh not really shocking that an agent would do that even today's standard if you're used him you know well kept just him it, kept him going when he really should have been a little bit more caring for him and yeah there, there's just, there's just like a lot of uh different relationships that elton had back then one was the, the writer who really bernie. stuck by him the mm -hmm. entire time um bernie uh oh, what's his last name um talpin bernie Topper Toppin, yeah, yeah bernie Toppin is his was his writer that those two worked together for years and bernie um he's the one who really kind of said hey after after he had his breakdown before i'm still standing came out bernie's like here i have something for you to work with and that's that's kind of like where his comeback was um i do have to say the guy uh Taryn Egerton yeah. was a perfect Elton John. Like, he had his mannerisms down. He had his voice. Like, I didn't realize this until I looked it up, that Taryn, he sang all, the all of the songs. So, he had his voice down, his mannerisms. Um, you see him up on stage when he's playing the piano. He's doing, like, the Elton John lean back. He's, he's, it just, he had it down just much like um, Rami did with, Freddie Mercury, you, you know, if you're going to be representing someone who is this... Especially in biopics. Yeah. In which we talked about because Hardy was initially slated to be uh, Elton John in this film. He was actually approached um, and they were, I think they were ready to give it to Tom just probably because of his popularity, but Tom was like, I can't sing this, so <laughs> I'm not a singer. He said, I'm not, you know, he, he turned it down because he felt like it was just not I don't want to say he's not good enough, but he really wanted he he 
when you saw Taron Egerton as Elton John and singing the it was, song, I think that was just more believable. Like I, I really like Tom Hart, and he's done a lot of different roles that I was always shocked at how good he is mm -hmm. at it. And I don't ever want to discredit because I learned my lesson with um, who's the boy did Joker? He's Heath Ledger. Phoenix? Heath or, Ledger. Oh, uh, you know when Heath first got Heath sent. was yeah Heath was like a a heartthrob when I was growing up. Think about. Like, yeah, no one just really envisioned like him as a Joker, and it's like once it happened, it's like oh my god, he's like my favorite ever now, and that says a lot when you have someone like Jack Nicholson or even Ramirez or was it Caesar, Caesar doing it before. So, and even with Phoenix's you know version is pretty good, but you know I don't want to say Tom couldn't do it, but when I look at what happened on screen with Egerton, I think he did like a masterful job with it. And I think everything about this movie, they um. I mean, clearly, we are not part of that family, and but I feel like they really captured some of the demons that Elton John went through. I mean, Bryce Dallas Howard played his mother, and clearly she's not an older woman, but she's probably the same age as Taryn Egerton, but the way they had her made up and made her so matronly looking, and they she had the dark hair and everything, it was just done so well i mean clearly everybody's gonna have a problem there are some things in there where you're like it's not exactly a hundred percent same thing with a lot of these biopic movies it's not a hundred percent because you only have two hours to put together a movie about somebody's life and you want it to flow and you also want to get all of like the hits in there i am glad that they did dive into some of the the drug use and his um you know well Elton John said that uh he actually pushed for a lot of the sex and drugs aspects because he said you know I didn't lead a PG-13 life so and he, he didn't want them he to didn't, kind of yeah, wash yeah he over didn't that. want people to think that like you know but he also he he wanted people to really see that yeah I might be this famous person uh, he's a knight. He's He's been knighted. He's Sir Elton John. Like, yes, I have all this fame, but it, I, it, I, it, my life fucking sucked. I was by myself a lot. I was, my family hated me. I couldn't, it took him until the 90s to find a partner that he loved and trusted, and they couldn't even get married until the 2000, like 2014, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because again, it was illegal to be gay. So these guys were together. Um, for long so time. a long time before, so he there's a lot of struggle that went on, and he wanted to show that that happens. And um, so yeah, even if you think that at this day and age it's really hard for gays and lesbians, to imagine it 30, 40 years. Yeah, ago. imagine it in the seventies when it's especially when the spotlight is on you as much as it was for him and any other artist that had the same, you know, sexual preference or whatever. But uh. It's a really great movie. I actually enjoyed this actually more than Bohemian Rhapsody. I think I did too, um, because I like that they did get a little raunchy and dirty and showed that it's not all rainbows well, think, and sunshine. Right, and I think that was sort of the thing. Like I understand part of it with the Bohemian Rhapsody because it wasn't just about one guy, even though they were trying to kind of make it about uh, Mercury. Mm -hmm. But there was a band concept with that, whereas without it's all his, his music, but... I did feel like Rocket Man was just on a much more emotional level with us. And I think, too, the one thing... I, I didn't really know much about Bernie Taupin as his uh, writer. 
I had heard, you know, I've just seen his him credited on everything with Elton John. But when you see the kind of relationship that they had, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hoping it's true. Like you, you see how much Bernie loved him like a brother. Like he's like, and he hated seeing him go through all of this. But he did not give up ever. They might have fought, but he, they always came back to each other. So, what are some of your favorite Elton John songs? Well, obviously, Rocket Man's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting. I discovered that basically through the cover that Flotsam and Jetsam did mm-hmm. in the late '80s. Um, I don't. I can't really think of any of the other ones at the top of my head. I know there's others that I, I do like. I'm still standing. I just don't like it as much as a lot of the older stuff. Pinball I- Wizard. He has a pretty cool cover with that. Um, I um. I always liked Levon and uh, Tiny Dancer. Mm-hmm. Those are some of my favorites. Uh, clearly. Oh, I guess that's why they call it the blues. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. And he even came back. Remember in the 90s he did the Lion King? He did mm-hmm. the whole Lion King soundtrack, which turned into a Broadway show. And then um, in the 90s he re- released that song, um, the, the album called The One. And mm-hmm. that again, you know quadruple platinum kind of thing an interesting story that i heard on howard stern and then we'll get you know onto our next topic um elton john and billy joel actually are good friends like they from touring together and working together they they really did become good friends and um billy joel he goes on Howard Stern quite a bit, and one of his stories was talking about giving gifts to Elton for Christmas. Billy Joel said he picked out this really nice piece of furniture. He's like, you know, it's probably like twelve, fifteen hundred dollars. It was a like one of those armoires for um, a television that Elton said he had wanted, and he, you know, probably more money because Billy Joel's loaded. Elton John gave Billy Joel a Renoir for Christmas. A fucking dead painter (laughs) that he had the money that he could afford to purchase a Renoir. So when you think about, like, the amount of money Elton John has, he is royalty. That's why he is Sir Elton John. Yeah. Anyway, it's a really, really good movie. Uh, Highly recommended by both of us. Mm -hmm. It's on Amazon Prime right now, so... Certainly, if you are into biopics and stuff like that, it's something worth checking out. Even if you're not a fan of his his music, yeah, it's a very it's a good movie. movie. Yeah. It's a good like you really do get the feels for it. All right, in our next block of music, brand new stuff from Future Pile is going to kick it off with Bone Digger, and I also got some Instigate uh, provided by Everlasting Speed Records. Atonement. Here we go.
DJ Nubis and DJ Neko back with you with the Melatonin Radio Podcast episode 66. I love that we're episode 66. I mean, I haven't done every episode with you since this, you know, yeah. What, what, what should we call this? This is like for the last year, it's been a new um, era of Hordes of Chaos, a new era of Metal Tavern Radio, and it's been a lot of fun. I, I enjoy these podcasts because. We can talk about things. We can. I mean, I don't know how many new bands that I've just learned from you and Metalomania, which has been amazing. So I. When they I, were. They had a show last night with the Vader interview with Peter, and that was just outstanding as usual. We are big Vader fans. Remember when we were supposed to go? Well, we did go to this concert, and my mom bought it for us for. I don't know if it was your birthday or mine, but it was Overkill Invader with a meet and greet. The meet and greet was supposed to be before, however, because people were stuck in traffic, they didn't let anybody in before the show, even if you were a VIP. So after the show, it's really, it's really kind of a because we took we took off of work so that we knew there would be traffic, and we got there early so we could be. Well, but I just I hate the fact that like. You know, you're going to sidestep everyone who did make it, who took the op- opportunity to be planned and be there. You know, we planned it all out. We knew about traffic, all that stuff. Yeah, we even got a hotel and everything. Like we. So, for the select few that couldn't make it, all of a sudden, this jack-off fucking decided, that, oh, well, we're not going to do the meet and greet. We're going to do it afterwards. But the problem with the afterwards was you didn't get to meet everybody. No, it was only overkill. We couldn't meet Vader. And it was supposed to be both Vader and Overkill, and it was very rushed. And it was supposed to have sign stuff and all this other stuff going on. Like, we we managed to catch Bobby and uh, Dee Dee Verney, the bassist, that night to take pictures. And that's, I mean, and of course, these guys, as gracious as they are, they just got done playing. They their were set. sweating their balls off and, like, had to immediately come and do the, the greeting stuff because that's, why that's what we paid for. That's why they wanted to do it first. That's right. why they wanted to have this whole So here VIP. it is. These guys have just put on like an hour and a half worth of music. It was great. It was a very intimate venue. And with Vader, we got lucky because we were about on our way out and we saw Peter and the group getting in their van ready to go. And we caught him and said, hey, look, Peter, can we get like a picture with you real quick? And he was gracious enough to do that. But... Again, we didn't get to meet yeah, any of the like, band. That was like a two-second interlude. Right. We shook his right. hand, told him he was great. We and there were many people that didn't even get to talk to the guy. So it's like... And these people... Like we us. paid all that extra money for that specific thing to be able to meet those guys in general. And it's like... we there was, there was a time... Every time Vader... We do this, though. Every time Vader comes through, we definitely see them. And one time, remember, it was like a Tuesday night. There was maybe... 15 people in the audience and it they didn't cancel the show they and they came out and played ass. like they were playing at Jack's when it was yeah. you know 500 people I mean 500 is still a nice intimate you know venue we saw an MDF that uh, was fucking awesome th- that's what I mean like they play every single show like they're, they're sold they're, out yeah, yeah like they're playing you know of the fucking Patriot Center they they have a lot of passion but the new record Solitude of Madness is so good blasting so awesome so good 
All right, so one of our topics we want to get to, though, outside of that, which is great, um, is this is not so great. <laughs> I read an article and was talking to some people a few days back about this group called the Copperstone Media. And what they do is they go take pictures and videos of people's weddings, put them together, and then send them to you for a price tag, and it's not cheap. No, I mean, we, we didn't even have a videographer for our wedding because our photographer alone was like $5,000, like, and that is a hefty price tag. Um, and we were actually a little disappointed in our photographer because we were told we were going to have two photographers simultaneously taking two groups of pictures at the same time so that things would move along and it didn't move along at a nice pace yeah that just it, it was drug around it was night yeah it was like problems. a fucking shit show and we didn't even get to start and we started the wedding at like 7 p.m we didn't even get to start enjoying our wedding until oh we had a wedding yeah right there. we people were just shoving us from place to <laughs> place blur. pictures we have to cut the cake it was maybe until like 10 30 and we went on until what new, midnight if that close to that yeah we didn't really get to enjoy because there's all these yeah that whole fucking thing was a mess it was like because i couldn't even get a ride home <laughs> we got a ride home it was my we, it was we my did great, but it was, like our, it was my great aunt and uncle we all piled into one vehicle and I didn't. I didn't bring a change like so, like most brides. They always bring a change of clothes. I didn't. I had my and my wedding dress was gigantic with like twenty seven petticoats under it. So I was basically it was a, it was a minivan, and I was in the trunk of the minivan because I needed all that room for my dress. It's weddings are expensive and they're now granted we were doing it kind of unorthodox. We had her and her sister getting married at the same time, which really was supposed to be just us, but. Anyway, long story short, this what? this group, uh, a gentleman approached him with his fiance to shoot their wedding. Had to put down a down payment, which he was aware of, of eighteen hundred dollars. And that and tr that's a that's a cheap down payment, believe it or not, for a lot of wedding services. And, 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 it, and it makes sense on a service because you gotta secure that spot you gotta gotta be ready a, for the schedule, day right you know you have lots of shit you have to do and now everything um when we got married it was 2005 and digital was like just starting and that's part of the reason ours was so expensive was because we wanted the digital package not the not the old school photo package and what they did um was print our digital pictures onto leather-bound pages. So it was very fancy. And so I understand the cost that it is involved with weddings because, you know, you're only usually working once or twice a week. So you have to really get your schedule in order and you're securing a paycheck for you and your crew. However, this was kind of a... It's always outstanding. Yeah, an outlier. Right. Yeah. And apparently the... The fiance got in a car accident and died shortly before the wedding date. Now, normally, you know, if if they had just divorced, you know, separated and didn't happen, you'd just be out eighteen hundred bucks. But and that happens a lot too. People are out all of their deposits on everything. Right. So, but you know, this is one of those cases where, well, shit, you can't control what happens in life, and, and it's super tragic. Yeah. Right. So here you have a, a grieving groom who is now $1,800 short, plus he's out of fiancé, so he's trying to get some money back to maybe bring some normality back to his life a little bit, because I'm sure you put a lot of money into that, preparing for that. 
trying to recuperate anything he can back to some normalcy. I know that funerals are expensive too. Like, right. good lord, I I know that with life insurance, um, we don't have a ton on you. And I was like, I just want to be able to make sure we can. If something, God forbid, would happen to you, I don't want to be stuck where I can't even have a funeral. So we made sure we had enough life insurance to bury you and maybe have a little extra with me. I have, trust me, if I die, you're, you're, you're taking she care of, baby. That. Trust me. You're, there's plenty of money when I die. When you're I, set. I'm like, let's just, let's just hope I die huh? while working. Because not only are you going to get my life insurance, there's also special case life insurance for when you're out working on the ship. So you're going to be, like, rolling in the dough if I die while I'm working. Believe me. Trust me, you're worth more than any money in the world. Oh, baby. <laughs> but that's what we, you know, this guy is dealing with his fiance passing away. He's dealing with the cost of throwing a funeral. Yeah, whether you think the groom was correct in trying to get the money back, you have to understand the guy's going through a lot. It's a very tragic moment in his life. Mm -hmm. You know, he's going from the upper high to, like, the lowest of lows. So he tries a couple times to get his down payment back from his group. And they continue to tell him, sorry, uh, you know, you this is a non-refundable uh, down payment. Because, you know, obviously they explained to him that we had to set aside a date that we can no longer get back. And we have to try to refill and, you know, pay whatever. But you would think on some level the group would say, okay, well, we kind of understand this, so yeah, maybe even give you half of it back. Like, there just wasn't any kind of, like, understanding It on seemed part. like they were being kind of, um, I don't, I just want to be, say they were, they were kind of being mean to the, to the fiancé's well, And as the things started to progress, like, the fiancé, of course, is getting more and more kind of irritated about it in a sense that... He starts going to Yelp and stuff like that to kind of give him negative reviews. Now, let's be fair. There are people out there that do negative reviews just to be straight-up assholes. This guy, I don't think he was really coming from that angle. I think he was just very upset that they weren't seeing or understanding his sorrow. And they weren't trying to work with him at all. And so, he's like, probably went on there and said, you know, look, these guys, I wouldn't do business with them. Like, I had this happen to me and they just refused to even acknowledge anything that's going on as far as like trying to get any kind of money back so i understand both points of views but i understand more of the groom here because it's just one of the circumstances that nobody has any control over and i mean let's just be fair let's pretend that we had something planned maybe we were going on vacation or something like that and i passed away even in vacations they're like no refunds but we've seen where um extenuating circumstances you have companies just because they want that goodwill say okay listen your your wife passed away you can't come on the vacation we'll give you back your deposit at least but you know that's all the guy was asking for was his deposit now when i was kind of researching this whole thing uh, the one thing that we haven't discussed yet is that as the groom decided to kind of like give negative reviews this company copper stallion went well beyond what uh you would normally see at any company like the unprof professionalism 
uh, started to get out of control because they actually went uh, and replied to this guy on Twitter saying, uh, sorry to say, not sorry, not sorry about, you know, this should have been your happiest day. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, and then, of course, they created this whole page dedicated to this groom uh, explaining, like, how he's a piece of shit, basically, and why uh, they're selling their side of the story. But, like, I've never seen anything quite this hateful ever done by any company like this. Now I saw other things and comments by people that this company is kind of shady because it seems to be one guy and you hear stories of... It's a of, smaller business, yeah. You hear stories of photographers saying they never get paid. Uh, now we have a new article posted like five hours ago staying out with people who said they paid for services that they never got. So this guy, this company apparently is run by a man named Jesse Clark and... He's now being investigated. They've actually, like, these internet uh, pages have removed his company from their pages because it's concerned about uh, legitimate businesses. They're even talking about um, he kind of operates where he hires subcontractors who are photographers for him, and they've been saying that they've done weddings for him on behalf of him, and he's never paid his photographers either so it gets deeper and deeper with yeah. this guy it seems like he's just either managing his money poorly and then he's kind of acting like a, a spoiled brat if you think about it so I over and over we're seeing that this guy is he's not treating his employees well he's not paying his employees and now he's kind of Again, reacting completely unprofessional. Yeah, it's just beyond it's, just saying no, you can't have your deposit back. He's turning it into a, a, a smear campaign against this grieving right. man. Right. It's basically he's taking it a step further. It's not just explaining their side of the things. Like if he would have just left it at, you know, look, we had a an agreement that this groom signed. I feel bad for his fiance who passed away, uh, but we did make it quite clear that it was non-refundable. I mean, you could have left it at that and just been done with it. Um, yeah, you no know, one likes getting negative reviews, but at least they had a leg to stand on because it was a written contract. I mean, But, he, but now we just have all this other shit going on. People and, coming out of the woodwork saying, yeah, he's just a bad businessman. He's not a good boss. He's yeah. not... He's, he's And the page and the stuff is all vindictive. It's just... It doesn't make a lot of sense. And we, we understand. We have friends who make their living off being photographers. And it's very hard because artists, a lot of times, are expected to just do their work for free. Well, we saw this with the arch enemy thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know... We all know the story where the the woman who makes clothing for um, the singer, I forget her name. God, it's bad on me to forget her name. but uh, So she makes clothing for him, and I guess she took a photo, or the photo that was taken by the photographer showcasing the outfit that she was wearing on stage got put on this uh, person's private website, which she runs her business out of now. Is it very harmful? No, that she's trying to show her clothing and where it's, who's wearing it, whatever. No, but the photographer didn't approach her and said, look, you know, uh, we can work a deal here. I forget what he said he would do, but it's either like, you know, pay him the hundred bucks for the photo or they were going to work something mm -hmm. else out. Well, then it turned into this huge thing where Angela, the former singer of Art Jeremy, and 
uh, Alicia, Alicia, Alyssa Alyssa Guez. That's the, um, the the new singer. Uh, they both just started going off in the photographer saying that he was no longer welcome at shows, and it just it became this really ugly thing. And you have to understand that you know, as Neko points out, you know, when you have smaller companies and like we know a guy from Blame God who is a photographer as well, so he needs to get credit for his work. If he wants to give photos to a magazine or to a band uh, without charge, that's his choice. Mm-hmm. Um, however, if that happens that a magazine uses his photos, which he takes a lot of great shit, and if they use them, then they need to compensate him for that. Not only just photos. Um, Video, whatever. No, I was just going to say, our friend um, Lossifer, he is a fantastic, he's a tattoo artist, but he's also he kind of does little, I don't know what to call them, cartoons, or he does drawings that, so he did this really cool um, Cleveland Indians drawing, and a t-shirt company, I guess, found it, he just, he had it up on Facebook, and a t-shirt company found it and started doing t-shirts without him being credited, or, Mm. so... It's very hard. So we, we understand both sides. It's very hard as an artist because it's hard to get paid. People steal your work all the time and people expect you to do things for way less than minimum wage most of the time. You know, you're if you're shooting a wedding, you start way before the wedding. You know, you're at the bride's mother's house, you're doing a lot of work and you're working for 12 hours, you know. But then on the other side with this guy, we see he is unscrupulous in his business. He's not paying his photographers, and he's really acting unprofessional by dragging this guy who has just went through the most traumatic thing, dragging that guy's name through the mud. What's the right answer? It's a tough one because we understand that he needs to be paid. He had a signed contract, but then we see how unprofessional he is so well I, all i know is at this stage if i'm a judge and this goes to some sort of court thing like just based on the, the company's reaction or this guy's mm-hmm. reaction i'm not giving him favor no and i i think too because a lot of things it was saying the website the knot has been around for a long time like you're tying the knot you're getting married it's where a lot of people find um inspiration for their wedding they hire people off of the knot whether it be photographers venues hairdressers etc so he was on there that's that's the one thing that's how people have found him so if you're gonna present yourself like that and then you're gonna be working with kind of a prestigious wedding you know company i mean we even i we had the knot we had a knot page that people would go to and you know, write congratulations. If you're going to have that also with another huge company, they're not going to want to represent some photographer where the, when they have thousands of photographers that they could put on their page, they're not going to want him now because he's tarnished his own name. Yeah, it's, it's just, I don't like it. And guys like that should not even have a business. Mm. <laughs> like, I just. I mean,. Put this into another business. Let's just say this was... Well, it just comes off as bullying. Yeah. It's just like if this was like a guy who owned a hot dog stand and he was supposed to be working at a carnival and then you're like, okay, the carnival's canceled. 
that guy who owns a hot dog stand is not going to be going on to the carnival's Facebook page and being like, this place sucks, you're, you're horrible. It, I think the way that the, his reaction has hurt him so badly to the point he's going to lose business and he's going to probably have to change his company's name and he's going to have to start from scratch. Yeah, just, you know, the thing is, it's all about how you respond to things. And like I said, had he just left it at, you know, I'm sorry, but you did sign this and I can't just like give you this money back because you know I'm already paying my photographers we do operate as a business and there are it's unfortunate what happened to you and I can only give my condolences but like when you start like it's not against the law for people consumers to give negative reviews it's not against the law to do that no I do it all the time if I get bad uh, service what is against the law is defamation and bullying and that kind of stuff that how this guy responded and uh, you know whether or not he's legit or not that's up for the courts to decide but as far as his character is just very bad so I I haven't I was reading through it but did he give the refund, or are they still fighting over no, it? No, they're still fighting they're, over it. So this is going to go on, and it's just going to keep putting salt in the wound of this guy. And if he loses his business, he lost it because he was just so hard at it. He couldn't just, yeah, I mean... Couldn't take a moment out of your life to be a humane person and just say, you know what, you're right. This is one of those cases that really no one wins. I'm going to have to bite the bullet on this one and give you back your money. I think I Or would half, have. like I said. Even half would have done something. I think I would have done that. Like if I, if if I were the business owner, I would have tried to come to some kind of negotiation, saying, "Okay." Yeah, if you think about it, because if he loses his company, it's all he he lost it because of idiocy. I mean, if I I again I'd I'd reach a try to reach a compromise with the with the man. I'd say, "Listen, I've already put out X amount of expenses, so I'll give you back." your money minus the expenses that I've already put out for your wedding. Right. You know, maybe he had to book hotels or had to buy things for, you know, shooting the wedding. That would be an agreeable thing. And I think the fiancé would probably agree to that, say, yeah, I understand. The, yeah, it's not like the fiancé probably wouldn't be reasonable here. I mean, it's like he probably understands very well that, yeah, I know it's non-refundable. He even admitted to it. But as you said, if the guy who's running the company just couldn't find a way to say look out of the 1800 i had to put like a thousand to the expenses that we were setting aside for doing this day mm -hmm. the best i can do is give you 800 of that back the fiance would probably take it mm -hmm. whatever you can get so you're, you're saving yourself the headache for negative reviews you're saving yourself the headache from having to go to court now he's being investigated i can't i mean this is he didn't win at all on no this has turned into Oh, a simple thing that businesses endure every day into a bomb that just keep blowing up. Like, oh, so now people are coming out of the woodwork saying that you're a bad boss. Oh, you're not paying your photographers. Oh, you uh, are not... Uh, one, uh, one customer of his said that she paid for a video and photos and she never got her video and it's been nine years. Like, Clearly this guy is not... A very good PR person. He really <laughs> needed one. And now he's just screwed himself. Yeah. This is this is insane. All right. All right. Back to the music. Coming up next, we the have Ruins of Beverass. And I know you love the Ruins. I do. What um? It was at MDF three years ago. Yeah. You were like super excited for, to see them. Like you were like, 
I must see them. If I don't see them, my life is Well, they over. were there when we did the Edison lot, but mm-hmm. they, it was like the wrong time of the day. It was like daylight. Just It didn't fit, but we talked about some of that, too. Mm-hmm. But uh, when they did the uh, Ram's Head, that was just... Ram's Head is a good venue for ruins, I think, because... It's inside, it's, it's dark, it's, yeah, it's, it's inside, moody. It's dark, and it's kind of like circular. Mm-hmm. Right? Isn't that the best way to describe it? You like balconies. The, you can go up on the balconies. You kind of get a nice sound that kind of funnels up. Mm-hmm. Yep. They got their like little light shows and shit they got going on. It was just beautifully done. I know Neko wasn't really feeling it because it's just one of those things. It's just not my style of music that I love. The songs are pretty lengthy and they but they they're more about atmosphere and just kind of vegging in a lot of ways and it's. I use it mainly, like, even when I play World of Warcraft, it's my, like, soundtrack stuff. People say that. I mean, like, some people don't like Pink Floyd because it's like that. It's really long. It's a lot of atmosphere. It's, that's, it's a, it's a preference. That's all. I don't, I don't dislike Ruins. I just don't love Ruins. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. But they have a new split out. Uh, I forget the other band's name currently, but they have a couple songs on there. And this one's called Hunters. We'll be back in a few.
looking for a place to take care of all your automotive needs? Then get in touch with Stauffer's Auto Service in Millersville, Maryland. Stauffer's takes care of all auto repairs, auto service, and great quality parts as well. Stauffer's is located at 8328 Veterans Highway, Suite E in Millersville. Be sure to call and check out all their service specials related to your automotive needs. Stauffer's is professional, friendly, and has highly qualified mechanics to do excellent work with prices that are fair and much better than what you will find at other automotive places. So call 410-729-0121. That's 410-729-0121. And tell them the newsman and his trusty sidekick, Neko, sent you. Alright, DJ Nubis. And DJ Neko. Back with you. Getting ready to open up our rock block here. We got some good music coming in. Um, how do you pronounce this? Halysis? That's probably the best way to do it because if I do, I'm going to butcher it and I'm going to be like Crypt. <laughs> so we have Halysis coming in as our opener Velvet Ocean, Black Rainbows, Sammy Hagar, my pick of the week. And then we're going to close it out with White Collar Sideshow. Yep. So we've got quite an eclectic uh, group of rock yeah, musicians. I, yeah, three of the stuff, three of the songs in here are from promotional sites like Inverse, Metal Message, and Curtain Call. So uh, that's kind of good. I've got some of that stuff in there today. Um, obviously, your pick of the week. And then, of course, some Sammy Hagar going back ways for that. So let's I kick love it that off song with the, too. Yeah, so let's go with how you pronounce this. Cause I think it's Halysis. That sounds great. <laughs> Here we go, Arbiter, kicking it off.
gentlemen, we're about to begin phase two of our evil project. Where is it phase? I don't know phases. Anyways, this is the phase in which we put a giant laser on the moon. As you know, the moon rotates around the earth like so. When the moon reaches its appropriate lunar alignment, it will destroy Washington, D.C. You see, I've turned the moon into what I like to call a Death Star. <laughs> what? Nah, nothing, Darth. What, what did you call me? Nah, nothing. RIP OFF! Bless you. Anyways, the key to this plan is the giant laser. It was invented by the noted Cambridge physicist, Dr. Parsons. Therefore, we shall call it the Alan Parsons Project. Oh my God. <laughs> what now? The Alan Parsons Project is a progressive rock band in 1982. Why don't you just call it Operation Wang Chung, ass? Well, what, what should we... Nothing, I'm sure Operation Banana Ram will be huge. What, what are you saying? If you... Wait, shh. Trying to be hit. www.shh.com. Dot org. You suck. Dr. Evil, if we could put aside the family squabbling for a moment, I think we could get down to some serious business here. Really? Yeah. I don't like that insolent tone. I, I meant nothing by it. No, 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 no. You want to run things here? No, Set not it? at all. Huh? Huh? You want to be daddy? Said it? Uh, Number two? You want to wear the daddy pants? Huh? You're going to cry? Well, You're going to cry? So. Oh. Huh? Huh? You're going to cry? You're going to cry? Oh. Huh? What are you? Huh? You're gonna squirt some? You're gonna cry? Huh? Huh? Yeah, see, you're gonna cry, huh? You're a big man now, huh? Yeah, thought so. <laughs> we always get a kick out of that one. Oh my god. Austin Powers. Glorious. So, if anyone is smart enough, they can figure out what my pick of the week is this week and why it's my pick of the week. <laughs> I'm not so sure it's because of that, though, but that was a great way of explaining some of it. So, we always like to talk about songs and bands that kind of fly under the radar, and then you forget the song even exists, and then it kind of pops on, and when I was out one time, somebody played this song, and I'm like, holy shit, I forgot about this song. And then, of course, I thought about Austin Powers, so... I said to DJ Anubis, what a better way to introduce my pick of the week than that little clip. So this week's pick of the week is the Alan Parsons, Parsons Project. Project. Uh. I in the sky. <laughs> I uh, honestly, I'm not a huge Alan Parsons Project fan. However, I'm a huge fan of this particular song. It's, oh, it's beautiful. It's well known. And But it's also one of those songs that, again, you forget about for a while until you hear it again. And I just was kind of like, hey. But again, to your point, like that happened to me a, a few weeks ago when I came across the band Bang and No Sugar Tonight. Like, I, I know! I remembered that song, but then like I didn't, I forgot about it for the longest time. I said the same thing to you when you, I, was, I was listening to it. Yeah. Uh, I was still gone, and I said, holy shit, yeah, I remember this song. Yeah. I love stuff like that that kind of like triggers an old memory, and it's like, th yep. the song's not bad. It's just, it, it, it flew its course, I guess, and then... But the funny thing is, like, that goes, she goes through these things where she's finding these songs to pick, and, like, I, I kind of bust her chops a little bit because she'll pick 
songs from bands that are definitely rock oriented, but she always picked the songs that are like the most poppy and like not really what not I want. Always last week it was a very aggressive song. Right, but I just say but like <laughs> You came with this one, and I was, like, really debating it for the longest time. Yeah. And I was looking up on Google. I was like, oh, they're a progressive rock band. Sold! And then so we'll play it. But it was just kind of funny that, like, it's always, like, the softer part of it. So hopefully people who listen to the rock blocks, you know, aren't, like, totally turned off by it. Like, they can still kind of get why we do this. It's kind of like Yacht Rock. That's what this song is. Yacht Rock. Well, and the thing is, like, with our rock blocks, it's always a mixed mash of, like, hard rock, uh, classic rock, alternative rock. So it's not like we're not really going out of the way to like be controversial. The most controversial thing we've had is the uh, Harry Styles song, but that's really not the norm. But uh, this this band and this particular song does fit the genre, so it's not like a real problem. As and far it's a as really like, good song. It like, is, it's it a, is. It's a fucking awesome song. Yeah. So yeah, go ahead and explain your your song. And we'll get so there. this week we're gonna do "Eye in the Sky," the Alan Parsons project. Again, a song I hadn't heard in a long time, and it kind of popped in my head while I was working with uh, a crew because we're always playing music in the shop, and I'm like, "What the hell song is this? I know this song." And then again, when I fe- figured out it was the Alan Parsons project, and then I remembered this. <laughs> And I remembered the scene in Austin Powers. So I decided last week, I'm like, because I always add to my list and we kind of jump around because it's not like just whatever we're feeling. Depends on the feel. Yeah, Yeah, whatever we're feeling. And I I said to DJ Anubis, I was like, let's do this next week. And I I feel like if we explain it well and we open with that hysterical scene from Austin Powers that our little group of, of... Our little band of misfits will dig it just as much as we do. Yep. So here we go. Pie in the sky. Pie in the sky. Audio jump. Attention, please. Be prepared for a musical transformation that you've never felt before. We will bring you on a journey like there's no tomorrow, and we will break new ground. Hailing from the land below the wind. Ten, nine, eight, seven. DJ Neko's Pick of the Week. Yeah. 
life in the fast lane? Do you have the need for speed? Well, if you're a racing fan and want to be part of a winning team, then contact Carmichael Racing. Carmichael Racing is currently looking for sponsors for the upcoming champ and flat cart season. You can be a part of a long tradition of racing as Paul and Rhea L. race to the finish line at Mardella Speedway at Diamond Head Arena in Gilbert, PA, March 13th through the 15th, 2020. They will also be racing at Hunterstown Speedway and Capital City Speedway in Ashland, Virginia. Racing runs deep in the blood at Carmichael Racing, and they are looking to gain sponsors for a new upcoming season. If interested, you can contact them at 443-202-3016. That's 443-202-3016. You can also find them on Facebook at SRChamp36. Carmichael Racing. Together you can soar as the engines roar. Scared everyone to death. <gasps> I loved that song. White Collar Sideshow, Bring Out Your Dead, provided by Curtain Call Records. Much appreciated. We yes. Enjoyed that a lot. Again, with every time, that was lovely. Yeah. Every time I hang out with you or we do this podcast, like we live together, so I hang out with you all the time, but I mean. Not by choice. <laughs> Anytime that you and I are listening to music or just, it's like, you've got something new for me. Um, I really also liked Velvet Ocean. Ocean. Mm-hmm. Beautiful voice. Beautiful, beautiful voice. Courtesy and metal message. So I was, I, I, I really liked this uh, rock block. Yeah, another band called Black Rainbows uh, has like a sort of a classic rock vibe. Uh, I've been really... Getting into a lot of that, like Nichols probably knows a lot of records that I've been ordering vinyl that are a lot of like classic influenced uh, bands, the Black Heart Death Cult. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What's the other one? Uh, Blackwater Holy Light, <laughs> Black Mountain. A lot of black going on. I here, know, but... like that Blackwater Holy Light. You were saying it was really hard to find. It was kind of um, well, rare. Yeah. So yeah, you were like super excited when that came in. You're like, okay, it was a little expensive. I'm like, if it's something you want, and it's yeah, it hasn't come in yet, but it's on its way. So I'm I'm really happy about that. Oh, uh, that was the other one. Black Mountain. Yeah. Came in. Yeah, Black Mountain, Blackwater, Holy Night. Those all came in, but the Black Heart Death Cult. That's the one that was like really uh, hard to get a hold. Okay. Of. Okay. I'm all for. Honestly, like if it's something that you really want and it's something you're gonna listen to, and it's kind of like when I did the Ruins of Better Rest, that was like 70 bucks. Yeah, I'm like, I mean, yeah, it's, I gotta have it. It's I took a record. You and I do not have children. No, we live, we spoil ourselves. Yeah, we kind of, we deserve it. <laughs> we deserve it. We deserve it. Well, not only that, but we've, we've kind of, we can arrange our lives a little differently than most people because it's just us too so we have the luxury of kind of acting like half adult and half college student we when covid isn't going on we we enjoy going to concerts and we spend our money to drive in whatever. yeah but i mean like we spend our money way differently than i know most adults do and that's okay because it's clearly well i i told you this like last night like the thing we were is playing, we were playing godzilla monopoly yeah. again we're children but continue but that's the thing like i told you like 
a lot of the shit that I have now, like when I look at our our man cave tavern thing down this here. This is the Metal Tavern Radio Man Cave. You know, I have posters on the wall. I'm doing podcast for a music genre that I love. We got stickers. I have we friends have and local bands that come in and hang out with me and do interviews. I have my wife, my best friend doing shows with me who's into the same things. And I just order stuff like the Godzilla Monopoly and then we got uh, the horror trivia on its way. Yeah, it's a it's a so trivial just, pursuit. Right. So just in general, like a lot of shit that I have, vinyl, cassettes, whatever, like I just wouldn't have really had this in my teens. Now, part of that is just how, you know, my parents weren't really into the stuff that I was, so, like, they really relegate, relegated what I would have. But then, too, uh, you know, I was kind of directionless as in my life, so, like, I didn't really have everything together. I st- in, in, in retrospect, I'm still kind of like the, the weak link when it comes to her and I, but the reality is she knows what I bring to the table, and I know what she brings to the table. And it's kind of with you... I noticed before you and I moved in together, like, you were moving a lot. Yeah. You always were living with different roommates or you stayed with your parents for a little while. Um, When we moved into the apartment, we were there two years. And that, I mean, so you lived with Chris by yourself for about a year and then you moved in with Chris and Amy for about a year. But it was, you moved, you moved to a different place. And then we moved to the apartment together and it was kind of like the first time you weren't living out of storage boxes. (laughs) You know what I mean? I think think at one point you were like, look, it's okay, we're going to be here a while. You can unpack this shit. You can unpack a little bit. We're going to be here. And then we got married and we bought a house and now we've been here for 14 years. Like... He moved so much, and he never had any kind of roots, so he didn't buy a lot of things. He, he The only thing he really bought for himself were, was CDs. And now, like, he has very few things that he saved from his youth because he moved from Colorado to Maryland. There, He had to get rid of a lot of things. Now that we've been here for so long, and he, he really has just said, you know, I might want some things, even if it's not, like... Now in my life, I've managed to find a balance between my priorities with my work, life, her, and then, of course, things that I just enjoy as hobbies and entertainment. So, really, when it comes to, like, entertaining myself, it's pretty easy. I'm not, like, someone who is really demanding in that respect because I have so many different things I can go to. And thank God, because with my traveling, if he was, like, going to be bored while I'm gone, I know he misses me, but if if I would be worried that he would get super lonely or super upset... Well, I it's would... not like I'm bringing in hookers and drugs, you know. And no stuff hookers like... and blow? No hookers and blow. Damn. But it's... <laughs> I love seeing you kind of like it's like you're blossoming i mean the last the last year that sounds so wrong <laughs> i know you're blossoming into a fine young woman but he really is in the last year just kind of and part of it is because i know I, and i feel bad a lot of people right now are losing their jobs and they're not doing so well financially well but we've been but there. We've, been there. we've been there we were there for like Two years straight. Before, I mean, think about there how... There were some dark times. We, man, we you know, we almost lost our house. My mom was buying us groceries. Yeah. There were times where I was borrowing money left and right. He was borrowing money left and right. 
finally. This isn't to say that we're as bad as some people who are on the street or this. Exactly. Like, but but I don't like people trying to discredit, like, other people's pains to ours because, like, yeah, we might have it better than some people, but it doesn't mean or diminish what we went through. Because I mean, it was we went, really some dark times. We went through both of us not working. I, I mean, I lost my job the Monday after our wedding. Mm-hmm. So there were times where he and I were really struggling. And I think the last, like, four and a half years with this current company have really just turned a corner. I, we both have been employed He's got a great job where he can arrange his schedule and, you know, he works extended hours so he can work three days a week instead of the typical nine to five. And, you know, I have like a completely unorthodox job, but we've really kind of, we're in a better position right now. We're, We're just happier. And granted, I know you're supposed to say money doesn't buy happiness, but it's really great when like you have a roof over your head and you can pay your bills and you're not sitting there going, Christ, I have $20 left in my bank account after paying bills. We're going to eat ramen noodles for the week. And we've done that. Ramen noodles and macaroni and cheese. I mean, happiness can be in many forms. There are people that have different things that make them happy, and that's fine. For some people, it's children. Some people, it's biking. Uh, Some people, it's like uh, traveling the world. Whatever the case is, people have their own views of what happiness is we found ours and we're still doing you know we're still hoping to do things like go across to europe and stuff you like need that. to get but, that passport but you know the thing is like and i don't want to ramble too much because this isn't really what the topic's about but just in general it's hap- it a little bit getting the game last night is just one of those things that like i probably would have never gotten that had i not really been with her or anything else like it's just one of those- i found it i was I was a little bit bored on my transit back home, and I'm just surfing the net, and I'm like, oh my god, there is a Godzilla monopoly. And I couldn't get, because some stuff is blocked out there, I'm like, I couldn't get to the website, I'm like, buy it. And, and it, it was fun. It, we, yeah, we played for, what, three hours last <laughs> night? It yeah. was it was a lot of fun, and I'm like... And I dominated you did. You are, Godzilla. You are a real estate mogul. I... <laughs> I don't know how you do it. As soon as he starts putting up hotels, I'm mortgaging all my properties. It was a lot of well, fun. I found a system because I figure out where you are on the board, and then that's why I You're started. You're an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh, she's got to come around to my end. Well, let's put some more houses down there. Yeah. So that's gonna be six hundred dollars, <laughs> and I'm gonna get four more houses. The sad thing is, I never get to the point where like you actually have to owe me like a grand. Like I owed you nine hundred dollars, and I had to mortgage all of my properties, right, but... and I was left with three dollars. <laughs> Once I got to that point, like I like just got my hotels up, and you're like. Well, the game's over because I can't do anything. I can't. Yeah, I mean, like I have no more properties, and we um. But what we're really saying is, I think a lot of times, um, as adults, you're kind of supposed to be pushed into some kind of little cube or or little square, a set way of life, Uh, and it it you don't have to be like that because. I really was kind of, I don't want to say brainwashed by my parents because they're very good people and they're very responsible and they've always worked hard and they've saved money and they've done well for themselves. But, like, honestly, I don't think if I was a little bit more open-minded, I wouldn't have bought this house. Anubis said, don't buy it. We don't need a house. And I said, oh, we're married. We have to have a house. It's okay to be a little bit, you know, you don't have to just put yourself into this little like peg you 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 can do whatever you want you're an adult and that kind of like 
transitions to what we're getting ready to talk about the life after flash documentary um we saw with sam jones he um he he's an actor he he played flash yeah, let's back up a little bit uh if you're not familiar with it, in 1980 or 81, they created a film, Flash, Flash. Gordon. Uh, obviously, soundtrack provided by Queen. And uh, it's the only one made of the particular character. They'd never done one since, which is kind of interesting in its own. But obviously, uh, Flash Gordon's portrayed, portrayed by Sam uh, J. Jones. Also has Melody Anderson, Brian Bless, who plays Prince Bolton. And he was just He was hysterical. hysterical. Uh, Topo, who plays the uh, scientist that's mm-hmm, riding mm-hmm. with them. Uh, and, of course, has Timothy Dalton in it as Prince Baron, which he wasn't in the doc, and neither was the woman that played uh, Princess Aura, uh, Ming's daughter. So I was kind of surprised by that, but whatever reasons, they weren't there. Uh, it's a great, great documentary. And it, really, it's actually more touching than anything because of some of the stuff that Jones had went through. Like, I... You know, we started kind of like out with, what, what we were saying right, as an adult. Well, at the time when and he was filming us, you would never know it, but aside from the issues the film had itself as far as, you know, getting enough money and making money, producer Dino De Laurentiis had some issues with Sam, and they were clashing a lot. And originally this was all slated to be like a trilogy initially, which is kind of interesting for the time that it was made. Uh, of course, you did have like stuff like Star Wars and mm-hmm. all that, but uh, because of the issues with uh, Sam and, and Dino, it, it really put a hindrance on that. And there were some other things that came to light about some of that stuff. Um, Peter Wingard, I believe, is the guy that plays uh, Clytus, the uh, the mask guy in the black robe, and you know he was actually uh, he's actually gay, so. At the time, like, you would have known that because they didn't make a deal about it. And, like, you know, it's just one of those things, like, he did so great with the character. And it was kind of funny with him because he he kind of battled with the director a little bit because of his character. He wanted his character to survive <laughs> to the next film. He really liked the character. So the fact that his character gets killed off, I know it's a spoiler, but if you haven't seen Flash Gordon by now, you suck anyway. Mm-hmm. But... You know, he wanted his characters to survive somehow, and it was just kind of funny how he always... He kind of takes cheap shots throughout the end of the dock, just kind of funnily about it. Yeah, because he was, like, thinking... Because they were talking about maybe doing a uh, a sequel with uh, Flash Gordon going to the city of Atlantis, and yeah. he's like, but my character died. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was just, like, little one I was like, yeah, it'd be great if Clytus would have been there, but, you know, he's dead. <laughs> So it's just kind of funny. And, you know, the other thing is you learn about Sam and what he has done throughout the years since then. And really, uh, for a guy who went through some trouble, like, just in his life, uh, he also discovered that he was his own problem a lot of times, too. So he has a lot of reflection on that uh, as he addresses, like, you know, he's like, I was blaming a lot of people for this and that when I really was my own fault, even when it led to problems in his marriage and with his kids. And he said, he's like, you know, I'm out in Hollywood and I, I'm supposed to be doing, I'm supposed to be acting. I'm supposed to be doing this. I'm supposed to be doing that. And nothing was kind of coming to fruition for a long time. And, um, 
his second was it's his second wife, right? The yeah, um yeah. the young lady from Thailand because yeah. he's he's got two kids from his first marriage and two from his second. And she like kind of gave him an ultimatum. Yeah. She got was like tough. she was like pull yourself up by your bootstraps, motherfucker. If you, you're not working as an actor right now, it's not coming through. And he, because he had military background, he found that he could be a, secu- yeah, a security agent on the border. And he felt, again, like he, he put so much worth in himself as being an actor because he lived that actor life and then he also felt like he was typecast as Flash Gordon for so long so after his wife who he adored really kind of kicked him in the ass she she he said okay I, I gotta I gotta make a living I, I gotta take care of my family and he found kind of like a renewed spirit if that makes any sense. it's so funny because about the typecasting like when people mention that like yeah I know that's like probably his biggest role ever but for me like I talked about this with you a little bit is like the movie My Chauffeur with Deborah Foreman like that's what you really kind of yeah that's what I remember him from because it's sort of a comedy drama thing uh, rom-com back Mm -hmm. then and that movie's actually really funny and very good and he has a very comedic uh, aspect about him in that. So really, when I think of Sam Jones, oftentimes I won't even think of Flash Gordon, even though that's a movie that I do like. It's always my chauffeur that comes up first. So, but apparently he thought that he also should have been like just jumping in the role at the role to role, but then obviously when that dried up, uh, that happens in Hollywood. Sometimes you just end up stopping work. And his wife gives him the ultimatum and takes the kids and goes away for a while. And he's kind of a wreck. And I can't remember one of his close friend's name, but it's a guy that's in draft day who who plays the GM for the Seattle Seahawks. They were real close growing up, and he was like, dude, you need to get your shit together, get cleaned up, and get out there and get your family. And eventually he did, and, you know, he got the job with the Border Patrol and all this. So, And then, of course... In the mid to late 2000s, uh, they make the movie Ted. Uh, And so then he is a character in that. Even though it's done kind of like in a parody way, they bring him back. And it actually reignites the Flash Gordon fandom and the Sam Jones fandom. So now he's, on top of the security stuff, he's doing these Comic-Cons and stuff like that. And he's doing um, guest stars on, on shows, and he said, you know, he he's a very faithful man, you know. He, he went through a lot of addiction and sex addiction, and he, he broke through just because he's a very active member of his church now. And I'm you know you really are rooting for him because you see (laughs) how hard he struggled and that he said you know i got the security job and then he he really felt though he said i felt in my bones that acting wasn't over but i i prayed on it i worked i took care of my family and he said then the phone started ringing again and the Ted thing happened, then Ted 2, and mm-hmm. then Comic-Con, and now these guest appearances, and he said, now I'm, like, really abundant, and you can see how hard he's been working to come back from, you know, the 80s in Hollywood was 
what you think the 80s in Hollywood was. It was it was coke, it was strippers, it was spending all of your money just to hold up this image and he really said he got into that life. At one point, one thing we forgot to mention, um, you know, we were talking about the, the uh, producer. Sam Jones wasn't getting paid for a while. Mm-hmm. And he left. He he wasn't. He said he's like I. I'm no. I'm not getting paid. And they used to stand in. Yeah, this is during the Flash Gordon movie when they were in production. And as Neko said, at some point he wasn't getting paid. Like I think Dina was trying to pay people weekly or mm-hmm. something. But because he, he so apparently there's they were in were they in the UK? Mm-hmm. So. There's different um, screen actor guilds, I'm guessing, and because the way that Sam Jones' agent had everything structured, he wasn't getting a paycheck for a while, and I don't know if it was just that Dino wasn't paying him, or if it just was not working out the way it was supposed to be, but everybody else was getting a weekly paycheck but him, so I understand walking off and, and... you know, if you're, you're there to work, it's... granted, it is a movie, but... I, I would not go to work if I if Friday came and my paycheck was not there and nobody had any explanation for me. He so he was very frustrated, and he left and they used a stand-in to finish everything. Yeah, so it's it's really so that oh. that kind of I think, even though he had the problems and then he it just all kind of snowballed. It was one thing after another for Sam. And you do, you get happy for him. Like, you're watching this and everything he says, he, like you said, he admits to his problems. And you, you, one thing. And that now, he, though, he. But you, the one, up, yeah, let's get ready to say. The people at Comic-Con. You, you, the one thing you really liked about him is he will not, just because it's a 10 to 2 signing, he said, if there's a line out the door. He will sit and he'll sign every single, because he said, you know, I, I owe it to them because they're, they made me relevant. They've made me famous. And and it even goes beyond that because, uh, one thing that I really like that, you know, regardless who you believe in faith or not, like, I don't really care about that much, but if if that works for Sam, great. But the thing that that stands out there in Sam is that. He now, when he like when you approach someone who's an idol, so let's say it's a musician, uh, athlete, or whatever, yeah, they might just sit there and sign something and give it back to you. But now Sam like literally engages with the fans. Like he'll so, say, "How was your day? Right. Really? How was your day?" And if a fan just happens to say, eh, "Then he will actually go into depth, like, "Hey, well, what can I do to help you with that?" You know, he, he actually takes the fucking time to listen, and because he's been through struggles, so he knows. And he knows that he doesn't want to just be another one of those people that just like, okay, thanks for coming, go, you know, whatever. He he wants it to be deeper than that. Now, he's not going to sit there for an hour, I'm sure, but the fact that he even gives a shit about the people that come to see him is, like, amazing. And you really do see a man who was broken and he took the, he took life back you it's just it's a phenomenal thing to watch an an, an interesting thing that i noticed or picked up on i don't know how to put this in the documentary when they were talking about the movie flash gordon george lucas wanted the rights Mm -hmm. to flash and he couldn't get them flash gordon 
was a comic strip a long time ago. 1930s. So, when George Lucas couldn't get the rights to it, he wrote Star Wars. And it kind of mimics it. It does. And it's, it's you know, a space opera. And we were... I didn't even realize it until they said that, you know, George Lucas wanted to do the Flash Gordon movie, but he couldn't. So then I, 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 I kind of watch clips of Flash, and then you start watching clips of Star Wars and mirror them and you're like, holy shit, George Lucas made his own Flash Gordon movie, only it's not Flash Gordon. Right. So that was pretty interesting to me as well. The other thing too that they brought up in this documentary was the whole Queen soundtrack. They, Queen, basically they came to Queen and they're like, yeah, you need to make a soundtrack in like two weeks. Can you do that? Everything was very time sensitive. Um, that who was that blonde actress? Um, Melody Anderson. So they Melody basically said same thing. It was all very time sensitive. They called her, and the next day she's on a plane flying to the soundstage. They they go to Queen, and they're like, "Here, we're seventy five percent done with shooting, but we need you to do this <laughs> right. and have it done in two weeks." And they did an entire the whole underscore everything they did was just like jam-packed and brian may was involved in the documentary and he said it was funny he's like you know working with freddie he has his own agenda he knows what he wants so we don't even <laughs> we don't even involve him because freddie would come in do something and leave and then we and, were stuck with the rest of it and they were basically like freddie came in and he put together what he wanted to put together, and they were like, "Wow, this is fantastic!" And then Brian and the rest of the the group they would work, like that whole flash thing. Brian was showing on the piano how like it all boom worked. with boom. the lightning and thunder. It was very very interesting, and I don't. He, Brian made this in the documentary. I don't think there are many movies that kind of go with. An, uh, an entire underlying like you could turn the whole idea is you turn on the Flash Gordon record and it plays through the entire movie and then there's really not a lot of movies that do that and this was kind of the um, I don't know what the right word is it was the first one that really did this and I mean and I know a lot of people haven't seen Flash Gordon but it is a perfect little campy superhero movie and i know with all the marvel stuff out there and it's super special sure. effects it fails in comparison it, you, look. you have to realize that this they did this on a sound it's just stage. a product of the time really yeah they did it on a sound stage every one of their special effects was done with actual live special effects it wasn't digital it wasn't like that back then so it's it's really fun to see because they did go into that. I mean, a if you bit. figure, like, when you think of, like, classic effects, like, we talk about all the time, like, yeah, I love all the Marvel stuff, but let me, let me be real, like, when we talk about Carpenter's The Thing or The Howling or the Clash of the Titans, all, all that shit with, like, the old school special effects is still top notch. That shit still holds. And even just simple things like doing explosions or, like, like buildings crumbling and stuff, they used to do that all the time 
and I know certain directors still stay true to that instead of just digitally editing editing it in post. I mean, that's kind of fun. Just, well, even like when they talked about how to like Michael the, Bay. Michael Bay is big into using real live well, effects. Like the, the clouds that they use in Flash Gordon was done with water and like some sort of coloring. That's right. I forgot about that because the sky was all those weird colors. Yeah. They 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 recorded the water with the the food coloring and the oil, and then they kind of put that as the sky. Backdrop, yeah. Oh, it's fabulous. So it's very creative how they come up with some of this stuff, and there's some funny stories in there. It's on Amazon Prime, so if you have that, just like... It's, the... it's definitely worth a watch. I mean, even if you're not a Flash Gordon fan... You're going to come out of this a Sam Jones fan. Right. Like, you're going to come out really amazed at, you know, he he had lots of struggles, and instead of letting it consume him, he went forward with his life. And even, like, they had all of his kids, and, like, his children are older, so they have husbands and wives, like... All of them are like, you know, we're really, even from his first marriage, we're really proud of him. Yeah, he's, it, he's a they approach every... it differently. They're like, yeah, he's a hero, but he's not a hero because he's Flash Gordon. He's a hero because he's Sam Jones. And I think that says a lot because when you think of Hollywood and some of the problems that young actors and actresses have, the Macaulay Culkins or whatever, or the uh, Corey Feldmans, like they all go through much tougher times. Now, granted, his kids aren't in the... Um, the, the movie industry, stuff. yeah. But they still have to grow up with this kind of stuff, so they are able to see it still from that point of view. And the fact that their dad is their hero in many different ways, they're like, yeah, we don't even care about Hollywood. They, Hollywood thinks he's this guy, but we know he's this guy. His his daughter, um, she's got to be in her 20s now, she said, my dad had no money. He didn't even have a car. He got on his bicycle. He went to McDonald's and got me an ice cream sundae and rode his bicycle all the way up to my gymnastics meet so he could watch her and and this is before you know like he was he was at his lowest but he still was there making sure he can support his his kids and and when you see something like that you're it's touching it is touching and it's better with all the negativity in the world and you right. you know what i mean you see a guy who just overcame a lot of his own demons. So, Life After Flash is definitely Anubis and Neko approved. It is. Check I mean, it out. I'd give it a 10 out of 10, honestly. Uh, next block, we got some new stuff from Bitterness. Also, brand new stuff from Astolot, who just put out a new record, The Winning Tragedy. Uh, it's fucking amazing. It's in there. We're going to kick it off, though, with some old school Gorgera. Oh, I love Gorgera.
is Jessica from Factory of Dreams. You're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Alright, DJ Nubis. And DJ Neko. Back with your Metal Tavern Radio podcast with the Hordes of Chaos. We have been the Hordes of Chaos lately, haven't we? Yep. Uh, that was asked a lot with Pathless from their brand new release, The Winning Tragedy. Now, it's interesting about this uh, band, artist. Uh, it's a two-man project out of Sweden. Uh, I've actually known Epilas. I think that's how you pronounce it, or close to how you pronounce his uh, stage, stage name. name. Uh, I've known him a long time, actually. This goes back to 2013 when they he did the original... The Faceless Mask EP back in 2013. He was also part of our Metal Tavern Radio uh, forum mm-hmm. that Jasmine and Lou Yardley, who the author that we talk about, has started up a years ago. So he's been involved in, in Metal Tavern in one way or another for right. like 13, 12 years. Right, and really, I remember when he put the Ikogara EP out in 2014. Um, but really, from 2015 on to now, it's been kind of quiet. And so when I saw that he had a new release out there, uh, I was really excited. And this this album like is some of the best work they've ever done. Like it's just top to bottom, really really good. Uh, symphonic progressive doom metal. Uh, it was a it was a really good song, Pathless. Yeah. Yeah, and they they've really grown as musicians at this point. So I'm really happy with the end result here. And if you haven't checked out their record or checked them out, do so. It's very, very good. And uh, how, how do they get that record? Do they have a band camp or do they... Uh, I'm sure they do. Uh, let me see here. It's related. They do have a band camp, Facebook, SoundCloud, which in fact you would contacted me through that recently, Spotify, and YouTube. So you can find them. Just look for Astolat, A-S-T-O-L-A-T. Uh, you can find them and uh, like their pages and check them out. They're very, very good. One of our last topics to get to today is about the, the paranormal. The return of ghost hunters. And it's interesting because we you were out when I was talking about the first season coming back with uh, Grant. Um, the first season where, well, let's, let's go back a little bit. Uh, ghost hunters started in like 2003 or four. And we watched it religiously. Had Jason Hawes and Grant Wilson, I believe, are their names, full names. They started this. They were plumbers, and they also did paranormal uh, hunting on the side. So when they started doing the show, like it was really good. They they actually had some pretty cool footage throughout the years. They really cared about their clients. They um, they they would take people who like us if we would have called them and said hey our tiny little house seems like it's haunted they would come and do a because they weren't they never accepted payment basically so it started off it was always these small little homes or it was a small group of people everything was volunteer and then it felt like as the years went on they had to get bigger and better, and I don't know if that was because it used to be on Sci-Fi Network. I think that I don't. I don't know if it was Sci-Fi pressuring them to get like more. Oh, and, I'm sure it was. Yeah. Like, it, 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 as with most things, it starts becoming a monster and it's rolling downhill. And you know, the first thing that 
they wanted to do was to go in as skeptics. They didn't they didn't want to say, oh yeah, this is definitely haunted. They always wanted to try to prove that it wasn't. So obviously they'd go in and they would say, okay, well, you, did, you know, this could be a reason why this is happening. Uh, a car passing by on the street could set off some sort of lights and shadows or just random stuff. Yeah, the one I actually found was um, really interesting was... Again, it's one of the very earlier episodes. They were in Philadelphia, and the person lived in an old brownstone in the city. And the interesting thing that they said was one night, the, the owner of the home said, was one night they kept hearing, help me, help me. And because the house was so old, it was um, one of those types that had kind of like a what do you call it like you have the roof and then it goes like an overpass to another roof but like it's not necessarily like the roofs are connected but like not necessarily like you can't get into the house from the roof so one of the things like that the the ghost hunters did was they went onto the roof and clearly the two homes are connected by the roof it's flat and they would make noise and talk and being in the upstairs bedroom the you could hear what mm -hmm. was going on up on the roof so they said like ironically that kind of happens to us because we live in what's basically a row home and at night sometimes you would think that you're hearing something up in your attic when re re reality is it's, it's it's probably somebody next it's, door it's voices carrying from next door so they were they were saying like you you might have heard that night that helped me help me might have been somebody who was up on the roof stranded be because they like went up to the roof and got locked out or you know it was probably somebody who was really because they went up on the roof and just were talking and and shuffling around and they they were in the the master bedroom and they're like we can hear everything you're doing like it sounds like it's right here right next to us but then they had other things like um the stanley hotel where they would go down in the basement and they'd actually hear a young girl's voice talking back at them. And they had, oh, they caught that on, on video and recorder audio, too. Yeah. So, but then, you know, the show not only being played by the pressures of providing evidence, but... It was uh, getting bigger and bigger. The drama behind it, like the, some of the stuff going on behind the scenes was just a bit... Obviously they wanted to bring like certain aspects of each character they had and some of the characters were better than others. Uh... Brian was certainly a cool character, but, you know, some of the shenanigans that happened with and him and And he was Jason. always so, like... And he, he actually removed himself from the show. Right, he right. He said, like, right now I've got a lot of personal drama, so I can't, you know, focus on Ghost Hunters. But, yeah, he he didn't seem like... I don't, I don't even know what the right word is. He enjoyed it when it was smaller. Right. You could tell, but then as it got bigger... The pressure it, it was a lot of pressure on Brian, and it was a lot of pressure on the ghost hunters. And he did have um, a pregnant girlfriend at the time, and it was just kind of really feeding into a lot of the drama. Yeah, and but you have all that going on, and of course there's some tension between him and Jason. But anyway, uh, after about eight to ten seasons, uh, Grant parts uh for whatever reasons unknown there's always speculation about this or that yeah they were the big rumor was that he was a drug addict but uh, part of me does not believe that i really don't i i he's a family man so i really don't see it. i mean it's possible he but... said well see that's the thing like 
he he said recently because he's the leader now and in the last two seasons he said like i'm my kids are in college now yeah. and when he left they were still young and they were working so much it wasn't like he was just a plumber anymore and i'm sure that's some of it because i know towards the end of the regular ghost hunters with jason still running the show that he was bringing in his own daughter occasionally mm -hmm. who was a little bit older and doing some of that stuff so it makes sense that at the time grant had young kids and we're talking a few years ago so it makes sense that now that they're older and able to handle themselves that he can come back which he has stated the thing about season one was that it was kind of the warm-up season yeah they, they were, were they, they were, were revisiting a lot of stuff that they already gone some of their famous favorite haunts like the uh, saint augustine lighthouse which is one of my favorites from the original series uh, but he's got a new team. He's he's come in with a clean slate, uh, different approach. They no longer try to antagonize spirits, uh, which is something they would try to provoke in the earlier yeah, series. Yeah, in the other season, like, there was Ghost Hunters, Ghost Hunters International, Ghost Hunters Academy. It was, like, turning into, like, almost a marketing right, thing. Yeah. It was like a... So Grant really seems to approach this more from a sympathetic and... Uh, a really empathetic, yeah. empathetic position like he um i i don't the only person that we were familiar with was Kristen, and she was from ghost minds yeah Kristen lumen she uh was part of another again this is like another one of those spin-off series on sci-fi but this was about ghost minds it was her and another guy and those were actually some decent uh episodes because you know we talked about it before where like when it comes to certain um elements that are mines able, running water running water uh limestone uh sometimes gold and copper mm -hmm. will do that uh it's really interesting how that works with spirits and whatnot so it probably explains why when you have people who are either fortune tellers or mediums they often have crystals if they're legit or not you can always debate that but if that's part of the thing then that would explain some of that uh, but that show, Ghost Minds, actually was quite good and has some quite good evidence that came out of that. But it, the show never lasted. I think it was kind of like on a tail end. Yeah, it, and it was on an, an odd channel. It was, we we found it because we were kind of going through. Searching for something yeah. decent. Yeah, and it wasn't even we were looking on TV. It was an app, I think, and it had all the Ghost Minds on there. And we're like, we really, we really liked Kristen. She was like... Because the miners were still working in mm -hmm. the mines. Yep, yep, This was all going on while they were trying to... So the miners... Because Kristen's gorgeous. She's like this redheaded, beautiful, hot girl. But she's also like really kind. And the miners, all they wanted to do was just be accommodating. But then, at the same time, because they're all, the miners were all very much gentlemen. They're like... Oh, they were. They're like, honey, it's dangerous down there. This we don't want you to get hurt. And yeah. they're like, she's like, look, I, this is my job. I gotta do this. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, let me put on my boots. I'm going down in the mine. Right. So what we found, like, I did I catch up on all the episodes that you had recorded while yes. I was gone? Yes, you did. So what? What I season two kicked off. Let's kind of go back because we got Kristen Lumen. Mm -hmm. And then we have a brand new uh, group around him who all have experience in the paranormal, just not familiar to most people on TV. Daryl Marston, uh, Brandon Alphys, Mustafa Gedalawi, uh Brian Murray, and Rachel Stratton. Rochelle. Rochelle Stratton, excuse me. Um, now, with Brian and Rochelle, they are 
pretty good friends to begin with, and Rochelle kind of is like a medium in some aspects, and of course Brian has at times throughout this series shown that he has... Uh, is Brian, Brian is the one who the is military, the military yeah. guy, yeah. so I think his presence alone helps Triggers them. a lot of things. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, he's got a new team, and that's one thing Grant wanted to do, was he didn't want to kind of like rehash... I'm sure he's still friends with Jason and a lot of the gang, Brian and all them, but... It's a new channel. It's not on sci-fi anymore. Right. So it's it's now it's on Amy, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, he 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 wants like a clean slate, and like I said, they're they're not approaching it from an angle now. Now they're more sympathetic towards the ghost that they encounter. Like they want it to be more of a, a cautious thing, and they're also helping people out. To make sure that it's safe that where they're working or living that there's any problems. So And Grant is also much like a teacher. Like yeah, he right. he doesn't he he knows that all of these people are adults. He's not there to just like demand them to do whatever. He wants them to develop their ghost hunting Which skills. Is what as he's well. done is he's allowed them to run the show a little bit while he's not there all the time. So He's sort of just grooming, like, new ghost hunters, and it's pretty cool of him to do that because he has the experience. And really, season one, like we said, was sort of like the warm-up. They were revisiting some stuff. They, they were, did they find were kind, some of, stuff. kind of uh, becoming a team. Right. But season two really kicked off uh, with a lot of great content. The whole season is full of, like, episodes that have some great, great... Uh, evidence uh, and both. new interesting places right and like so you've got like the first their opening was like a two-part for terror town and that was like it was a mining Clif- town clifton arizona yeah we've got running water it's a mining town so the whole town itself was like a hotbed for um ghosts and they pretty much took a whole what a week or a weekend the whole town came to a little symposium and everybody was giving their accounts in this kind of town hall feeling to the ghost hunters saying check out this area or i had this experience on this street and it felt nice it was very communal and it was really interesting to see some of the stuff that they they found and um, but the interesting thing about that was you know not only are they battling the ghosts as far as like finding the evidence and finding out what's going on but outside of that communal like you have some of these other residents that don't oh, want them oh crap there. i forgot about that yes so they would actually there were people following them and they were kind of like uh antagonizing them right they didn't want them there and so that kind of added another element to the whole thing that made it very interesting is that you know you've got people that are very protected of their town so like whatever might be going on there paranormally uh also is being yeah, people they, just don't want attention they're like it. i don't want attention drawn to my town and the town itself has had its own share of you know bad luck and drama and you know it's in arizona so it's back in the gunslinger days plus they've had several really bad floods there was a lot that went on in this this town so to see them kind of listen to everyone's stories really look into the history of the town you saw all of the ghost hunters work together and it was it was nice yeah what was the one other? of the cool thing was is that 
as time goes on with a lot of the shows and, and just technology in general, some of their devices become even better and well-equipped to capture the things they want to capture. So there's some episodes in there where you're going to be having some goosebumps because of the, some of the evidence they claim. Like Even stuff that you wouldn't initially see that they actually end up catching is just flat-out crazy. The hospital scene with the light at the end of the doorway and then of course you don't notice the shadow on the side oh what was the one um where they are in the air force base uh crap that's the um last mission mm-hmm. the wendover airfield yeah. so it was when um brian yeah yeah brian he approached the whole because they thought there was a lot of residual haunting you know people who were military so he approached it in a way where he is like hi i'm sergeant so and so i'm return i'm i'm reporting for duty he brought his own like little style to it whereas the ladies they were um in an area and they actually asked them are we not allowed to be here and granted, you know, this this was back during World War II, and women were not supposed to be in this particular area, and when they asked, are we not supposed to be in this area, there was, like, a very resounding loud noise. So I like that they're using the, um, the individual ghost hunter's strengths to mm-hmm. kind of figure things out. It was, it was just phenomenal. I, I mean, if you're a skeptic, I am sometimes too, but I don't care. It was yeah. I, I mean, you can always go into this and say, "Well, they did this, this, or this to make it look like this is what's happening." That that's always going to play a factor in people's beliefs or non-beliefs of what goes on. But mm-hmm. you know, with technology too, you can always create things to make it look like one thing or another. But I don't know if even if you were just someone who likes entertainment, they give it to you. And I, I going back to the old ghost hunters, we were seeing a lot of forced mm-hmm. you know and it almost felt like they were trying too hard trying too hard trying to come up with fake ghost sightings and i know that's not the angle that they wanted to come from because you know honestly they they really want to find you know something because sometimes there are people who come out and say um like that one historic house they were in the the people who curated that house were like we're gonna quit we hate this house we can't work here anymore unless you figure out what the hell is going on and that's what this you know reiteration of ghost hunters is more about they're kind of getting back to their roots of helping people instead of like trying to make it a big production so check it out if you haven't um so we're gonna get back into music here we know we've been kind of running long today but it's been worth it we think so hopefully you're all enjoying this next block of music i got some stuff from Quabar pr as well as everlasting speed records but we're gonna kick it off with some new stuff from egric sentient warrior We'll be back in a few. Thank you.
Patrick from the Canadian Press Metal band Reanimators, and you're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. I have
This is Sky Nielsen Promotions. I offer the most affordable, effective, independent metal promotions one can find. If you've got a metal band, project, or art that you want promoted, simply search for Sky Nielsen Promotions. And you're listening to Hordes of Chaos on Metal Tavern Radio. She's in love with herself. Alright, DJ Necco. DJ Nubis. There with Sky Nielsen. We're wrapping up this edition of the Metal Tavern Radio Podcast, Hordes of Chaos. Episode 66. It's been a great episode, and I am going to apologize now because I realized I am the reason that the episodes get very, very long when we're together. She's laughing because I point out the difference in how, how the time limit is. But the thing is, whether you agree or disagree... When I'm doing the shows by myself, yeah, I try to keep the topics going and whatnot, but I like the the feedback that comes back and the different viewpoints. Like, I don't get to have, like, if I could have Crypto Scully in here every other week and she's not here, then that's great. But I, it's just me. So no one really wants to hear just me. So when she's here, they love Neko. They always tell me they love Neko. They're glad Neko's back. They're like, when's Neko coming back? Well, here she is. I'm here. I don't know how long, but I, I'm here. When I find out when I go out again, I'm going to have to do the whole quarantine thing again. So either I'll be quarantining at home or quarantining in a hotel overseas. But right now I'm home probably for a few months, which is nice. Yeah. And so we'll continue to get out these podcasts where we're already brainstorming topics for next yeah, week. Yeah, we were. We were like talking. Uh, but yeah, good episode. I liked it a lot. Uh, obviously some pretty, uh, lengthy, doomy stuff in there, but hey, it's all good. It's all mixed in with some pretty well, that's heavy the thing. shit. Every, all of the songs, it's not just like we're doing just this or just this genre. Or just, it's, there's a little bit of everything and I like that. Like, um. Yeah, it's funny because we'll do like specific genres. Like I did the Doom Patrol and I thought, okay. Yeah, maybe it'll get a lot of people, but... Nobody did, cared about the Doom Patrol. There was a few, but uh, overall, people I think people like the versatility and diversity of the music that we bring, so that's good. Uh, special thanks to Krypton Scully, Metalomania, Sky Nielsen, as I mentioned before. All of our promotional and uh, label websites that provide the music for us in these episodes, much appreciated. Got one track left for you. It's from Caustic. We actually, I actually discovered this through Metalomania. This band is cool. Check them out, and we will see you next week. Thank you. Peace out, motherfuckers. Motherfucker. And be good to each other. Anubis out. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs>